Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. I talk to the trees. Stop and hear what I say. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock here at Rosie on the House. That means it's the outdoor living hour, second Saturday of the month. So we are talking trees. And if you're following along in your Rosie on the House home maintenance calendar, you're expecting to hear about plant health care, which you will. But you may also be looking forward to the tree of the month, the Palo Blanco, which it is not today. And we've got John Eisenhower of Save a Tree joining us in studio, along with several guests, Peter Condon, the director of landscape horticulture at the Mesa Community College, and Steve Preby, horticulturist and arborist. And we switched the calendar, and what was supposed to be featured next month is this month, because this tree is in bloom at the Mesa Community College in the Rose Garden, and this is a great time to go by and get a great visual. Something we've been talking about, John, for a couple months is having a list of where can people go see the tree of the month in a public setting. We did. Yeah, we swapped them up because we wanted this tree. We wanted to do cover this tree as a tree of the month when it was in its full glory. And it's on fire right now. It's really, really nice. We went by there on Tuesday, checked it out, and um, it's it's beautiful. And so what tree is this? Well, it's a Tababuya impetuginosa. It's actually the... Um, I have the privilege of inviting guests in. Peter and Steve are here today. By the way, Steve Preeb. What did I say? Preeby. Preeby. Preeby's fine. <laughs> It's got an E on the end there. It's tricky. No, the E's I, silent on the end. <laughs> well, speaking of pre, you know, Steve, is that he is my designated hitter today. You know, in baseball, you got a designated hitter, the guy in the in the dugout who can come out in the ninth inning and hit it over the park, hit it over the wall. Steve's my DH today uh, regarding this tree because you, he, he started going through this stuff. He was with us on campus at MCC. I turned to, to Gary Peterson, the branch manager at Save a Tree, and I said. Don't worry. He's, they're talking over my head, too. Because, <laughs> you know, he and Peter are just going back and forth with all the Latin derivatives. And anyway, what happened to Tababuya? That's the, it's such a beautiful name. But now that's the genus. Tababuya impetuginosa is no longer Tababuya impetuginosa. Just give us a little bit. 15 seconds. Okay. Well, first of all, it's not. <laughs> it hasn't happened just to Tababuya. It's something that's going on with the ability to look at DNA and more readily available mm. for to do that on on all plants and so they're all being reclassified wow. and uh, so they've decided that the uh, tababuya is now the genus Handroanthus uh, impetuginosus so uh, that's just one of them and, and this is going on like I said throughout the entire plant uh, mix that we and have out there and just 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 when us arborists and us horticulturists can master some of these names then all of a sudden they got a whole another classification, a whole another genus. Or yeah, and I'm just... trying to play Wordle and focus on five-letter words. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, well, thank you for the little bit of background. And it's a hassle too because you guys have the arboretum at MCC. Mm-hmm. You've just spent quite a bit of money putting those little those little name tags and all the trees. You got to go back through them again, and that is a hassle. All but because imagine. these geneticists, you know, go and <laughs> figure out some little fine little difference between these uh, species genus and. And it's really challenging when you have a book like this Landscape Plants book with that I'm sure has been plugged here many times before. And when there get to be so many
many names in, we try to go through and update those as well. So it is a challenge. Well, that's cool. Speaking of that book, I see that uh, you want to mention of that because it's such a great website. It used to be just a hard copy book called Landscape Plants for the Arizona Desert, and it has uh, several hundred plants in it that are very commonly used in the trees, landscape here. Trees, shrubs. Trees, shrubs, ground covers, vines, accent plants, annuals, perennials. All of these plants were on the uh, low water using plant list originally, and that's how they came to be in this document. And where can you find them online? I, I'm not sure. It's uh, AMWA. <laughs> I, I knew the answer before I asked. Oh, it's, good. It's AMWA.org, A-M-W-U-A.org, and just go to Landscape Plants and you'll find that that book, the whole thing is now on digital. Beautiful color photos. If you're looking for you know, a resource to put some trees or shrubs or, or ground cover in your, your yard, this is a great resource. It gives you all the, all the characteristics, the bloom cycle, the bloom color, and then, of course, a bunch of beautiful color photos. And So amwua.org gets you there. And, you know, I'm a little lazier than you, perhaps, and I just Google low water use plant list and then i find it on in, go. in the google list and that is a great book i keep it uh at home as we're planning all of our landscaping that's the first place i reference is is that book yeah and it's free from your local water conservation department no and, matter. And, and a lot of this yeah the the city all yeah. The municipalities yeah yeah i i could tell you were a devotee when i was in the back seat yeah. of your car the other day and i saw it in the little <laughs> the little the little pocket behind both of your seats in your, your car yeah. a bunch of these booklets and we have a direct link to that book up on the archive page today at rosieonthehouse.com in today's radio broadcast so it's a quick one link as well. And one of the reasons we have Peter Condon in it is because you you take care of a couple of these trees. We do have several uh, tababuya. Handromanthus is not as fun to say. Tababuya, that's, <laughs> much, that's much more fun to say. Uh, we've got three in the Rose Garden. Uh, they're just coming at the full bloom right now. And as the weather warms up, the flowers are going to open more. Uh, but the beauty of this tree is that many of us are transplants from other parts of the country, from the north and the east. And we're used to pink flowering trees. There are very few pink flowering trees, true trees, in the Phoenix area. Uh, So the pink trumpet tree, that is a true pink flowering tree. They're called precocious trees. They flower before the leaves. So there's no leaves that get in the way. All you see is just a pink explosion, and it's just fantastic. Uh, The three trees that we have in the Rose Garden, interestingly enough, last year, two of them bloomed without the leaves, and then one of them kept its leaves because that was more protected. So I think they might hold their leaves if it's a little bit uh, warmer in that spot and if we didn't get a good freeze last year. Well, I'm pretty impressed with the size of these, too. You know, I've seen a, a few of these around town, and they're usually, you know, between 5 and 10 years old. You know, those ones that in the garden there, in the rose garden, are amazing. They're just tall and, and huge. And it's if you're in the East Valley area and you want to swing by the Mesa Community College, now's your time. Sometime this week, you know, just... Make it, make it an outing. It's well worth going by. Just And also, um, anytime well, what you're saying about the middle of April, you've got the uh, roses will all be in bloom as well. But probably not, probably the middle of, April, uh, uh, middle of April. We've got the largest rose garden in the southwestern United States on the MCC campus. And by the way, the MCC campus now is an official uh, arboretum. Congratulations. So awesome. you can go to our website with another great resource, mesacc.edu front slash arboretum. And you get a whole map, 
uh, of the campus with little green dots. You click on the dots, and those are the trees, and information pops up for each tree. And there's a couple ways that works. I'm playing with it now. Um, you could also hit the drop-down menu and select which plant or tree you're looking for, and then only those will stay highlighted. Mm-hmm. So I've got the pink trumpet tree, and I've got three little dots, and it looks like they're against Southern, um, halfway between Dobson and Longmore. Yes. So, and then I also see this thing that says East Parking Lot. Would that be the best place to come park and go walk over the Arboretum and look at them in the Rose Garden? If you get there in a weekend, you can park anywhere. Don't okay. worry about the employee parking spaces. So there are parking spaces right along the road that parallels Southern, uh, which is the, which is right next to the Rose Garden, the best place to park. And I can stop in any time of day and just browse through? The campus is always open. There are no fences and no gates and no admission fee. Wonderful. <laughs> you don't even have to take my class. And so, <laughs> which we'll talk about shortly. <laughs> and a lot of the things we're going to be talking about is the right tree, the uh, in the right place. If somebody was interested in this type of color and l- having a pink trumpet tree, a, a tababui, tababuya, tababuya, buya. What kind of space do I need for a tababuya? What kind of water do I need? What, how tall am I expecting this to grow? It's considered a, um, a small to medium tree. So uh, in Arizona, they might get 30 feet tall. Uh, in its native environment in Brazil, they can get to be 100, but that's the perfect environment. Uh, warm temperatures, loads of rain. Uh, it, it could also be considered a, uh, not quite a patio tree, but, but it can fit in a small space. Uh, I just planted one in the corner of my backyard. So I've, I've got about 15 feet on either side of it so that it can grow uninterrupted without having to prune it uh, to maintain the shape, which is not the thing to do when you plant a tree. Yeah, so good call. It does need uh, a little little bit more water. It's not considered a drought-tolerant tree. Uh, so in the rose garden, it's flood irrigated there. And in my backyard, uh, I just have a hose, and whenever I remember to water it, I water it. But it's doing pretty good. And it's, it's not a low-water-use tree, but, I'm, I mean, how – well, what is it compared to? Is it as thirsty as a pecan? Maybe about a citrus? What? It's not as thirsty, thirty thirsty as a <laughs> citrus tree for sure. But uh, pecans, I, I don't have any pecans. Steve can attest to the pecan thirstiness. I, yeah, I would say they're on par. Yeah, I would say they're pretty close to each other. Uh, pecan, um, ash, those kinds of trees. It's on par with those in terms mm-hmm. of water requirement uh if you don't water it uh, frequently or if you don't not frequently but if you don't water it correctly which means infrequent but deep uh irrigations the tips of the leaves will turn brown like on my tree in my backyard that i water with a hose whenever i think of it so (laughs) i can attest the fact that the tips will turn brown if you don't uh, water it properly and you're talking about the blooms coming out before the leaves so i'm assuming this is deciduous it's going to drop everything in the winter time Mm -hmm. It is deciduous. Uh, it should start dropping its leaves as soon as the temperatures drop. Uh, probably high 30s, it should just start to drop its leaves. Well, we've got a full host of experts in today. John Eisenhower of Save a Tree, Peter Condon, Director of Landscape Horticultural at Mesa Community College, Steve Preeb, Horticulturist and Arborist. And I'm sorry I got your name wrong in the beginning. You've only been on Don't. 20 <laughs> times. It, it usually takes 21 before I get the name absolutely perfect. Okay. Don't worry about it. Well, welcome back. And we are talking trees here at Rosie on the House as we do the second Saturday of every month. And our tree of the month, we switched it with April because our pink uh, 
trumpet. Tababuya. Or Tababuya is in bloom right now. Uh, the tab- There's one on the Mesa Community College campus you can go see. But we're also going to be talking about plant health care as part of our weekly to-do here at Rosie on the House, along with other March tree t- checklists like irrigation timers and spec uh, for insects, and then a- more on the right tree in the right place for long-term success. A gigantic tree, a ginormous tree, a humongous tree for all the world to see. Back in studio here talking trees, and John, you've brought quite uh, quite a full panel with you. Who are you going to throw the plant health care to do? You'd mentioned Steve is your designated hitter. Who, well, who's going to take on plant health care first? Well, we 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 need to talk a little bit more about this tababuya because it's 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 not the tree of the month for us just to pass by it so quickly. No, there's some characteristics that really make it a unique tree. It's it one it doesn't have thorns, and the the, the spectacular bloom we talked about is amazing. First thing in the spring, you know, it's some of you ha- have those evergreen pears in your yards and you've seen them around town there's a beautiful display of white bloom it's one of the very first trees that blooms in the spring this beautiful pink flowering tree is, is a light a lot like those tell us a little bit more about the um, the quality of the wood one of the most interesting things about this tree is the lumber comes that comes from this tree is called ipe ipe and uh that is uh what they've used to build the coney island boardwalk the atlantic city boardwalk and several other boardwalks around the country it is insect resistant, it's rock hard, which makes it very difficult to work, but the wood that came from this type of wood tree has been on there for 25 years, untreated. People, dogs, sand, garbage trucks drive over that thing 25 years, and they finally had to replace it. And that heart of a wood generally is a, from, comes from a very slow-growing tree. I mean, are these, is this a, a fairly slow grower in its right place in Brazil where it gets 100 feet tall, is it? Interestingly, it's a very fast-growing tree, but in Brazil, it never stops growing because there's no winter. So in temperate climates, uh, it gets cold in the winter, growth stops. So you get these the, these distinct growth rings. In tropical trees, uh, the grain is so fine that it's really dense. You don't get these large xylem pores for spring wood. Sorry, that's getting technical again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sort of like mahogany is, is another tropical tree that just keeps growing. You don't have a winter break. So it's... It, really hard. Yeah. I planted one in my backyard, and it's grown probably f- five feet tall in the last two years. Well, five feet taller. Yeah. Now, are they pretty commonly available? Can you get them at, a, at any any old nursery? Or uh, I've seen them at uh, Whitfield has them. Okay. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm sure other nurseries might carry them, uh, but the only one that that I've seen that's because it's up the street from my house, and I go there. <laughs> so, not to plug these guys all too much, but they do sell type of bullions. No, it's good to know because some of these trees, unfortunately, although they're really desirable, we found this true of other uh, genus and species in the past, um, may not be available commonly available at a nursery only because the nurseries. Are in business to sell trees that are, are popular are popular and and they might be popular with the landscapers as opposed to homeowners mm-hmm. because landscapers for various reasons like fast growing trees that achieve their landscape purpose quickly so they find these very quick growing trees that might not be the best quality tree but tababuya is one of those ones like a desert 
um, um, willow, desert orchid, oh. which is not so common, but oh, it's a, be- trees, a beautiful yeah. tree. And uh, again, another example of one that I'd, l- I'd love to see more widely distributed. But unless you know people are are asking for them and requesting them in the nurseries, uh, you'll still get the Palo Verdes, the mesquites, these other trees. But these others are quite nice for that. And would would you consider this more of a mesic tree as a as a uh, as a xeric tree? You know, more that's uh, more appropriate for a wetter. Um, uh, transitional landscape, or would it be a more of a tree? Could it fit into a desert landscape? Uh, I would not put it in a desert landscape. Uh, it doesn't look like it belongs there. It looks like it belongs somewhere in Minnesota, but just okay. with the that's good to know. The full, good to know. Full flowering of it, because like the desert orchid and the desert willow, those are those are appropriate more for you know could be in both. Uh, they're very wa- oh. both of those require a lot a lot more water than the typical drought tolerant tree but they can you know be in a desert landscape mm-hmm. and look look pretty pretty good but yeah it's, some of those um trees would be more maybe more appropriate in a landscape that has a lawn a little bit more lush uh, growth and a little more of yeah. a pr- protected environment interestingly the the pink trumpet tree is in the same family as as our native desert willow okay cool so Tropical tree versus now desert is area. that before they redefined it or after they <laughs> redefined it? They're, Both. They, they haven't changed. They haven't changed the family yet. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> and, and another plant that uh, the listeners might know is Arizona yellow bells is in the same family mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So pretty pretty common, and there's several vines: Podrania, uh, Pandoria, uh, and um, uh, what's, you can stop what's right a cross vine? The bower vine, <laughs> yeah, cross vine, cross vine are, are are in the same family. Same so family. folks might be exposed to plants that they know, but maybe not tababuya, but they're very closely related in yeah, the same yeah. family. Good stuff. Well, that is the tree of the month, and we have it all at rosyonthehouse.com along with some pictures. But uh, get out there and see it yourself. Uh, Peter, how does somebody, again, f- come find that tree on the Mesa Community College campus? If you enter the campus off Southern Avenue, just east of Dobson Road, uh, turn right onto Rose Garden Way, into the Rose Garden, and you could park any available parking space and just walk around and enjoy the Rose Garden. Uh, the Rose Garden is in full bloom. Mid-April is the best time for the Rose Garden. The start of April, the, the blooms are just coming out. But if you go there in the next week, you'll catch those three tababuya oh, in, in, you just in, want to see in all their trees, glory. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Get out there this weekend, next week, over spring break. If you're an MCC student, go back to campus again, which <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> or maybe you never left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's the only one that's blooming pink right now in that yeah. area. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, we've got a... Uh, Speaking of that campus, can I mention uh, a little bit about the, the horticulture program out there? You can, and, but we can do a lot except stop the clock. We'll, we'll pick up right there after Bottom of the Hour News and then get to our uh, plant tree care and our other uh, to-dos for March. We continue talking trees with John Eisenhower of Save a Tree, Peter Condon of Mesa Community College. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> if you missed the full length, it's uh, you can catch it in the podcast at Steve Pre Horticulture Arborist. And John, you were wanting to talk about the program at Mesa Community College as we were going to the bottom of the hour news. Why don't you pick up right there? I I, I met Peter um, several years ago when he was uh, he welcomed s- several of us arborists onto campus. 
uh, for a, a special class that was being offered. And, and it was at that time, I, I Peter told me a little bit about the landscape horticulture program, the sustainable landscape management program at the college. So tell us a little bit about it, Peter. What is it? What would be a typical um, uh, what is the program about and what would be a typical student who would take advantage of it? We have an associate's degree program, which is a two-year program uh, called Landscape Horticulture. We train students to become nursery managers, greenhouse operators, nursery, nursery uh, producers, landscape contractors, and landscape designers. The program is mainly hands-on, so you're learning from people who work in the industry. Uh, most of our teachers are adjuncts, so they'll work during the daytime or maybe re- maybe be retired, like Steve Preeb used to teach the botany class for us. Uh, and when students get out of our program, they're ready to work. So if you have a nursery or a landscaping business, They've got the training as long as they've been working in the field while they're going to school, so they get the, the hands-on training, I mean the, uh, uh, the workforce training. They've got the uh, book knowledge and the experience because these teachers are taking them out into the field. They're digging irrigation trenches. They're designing systems. They're designing landscapes, and they're building, building the greenhouse, and they're growing trees. So they know what they're doing by the time they get out. Well, I know that there's a lot of really good um, programs, short-term programs, like the Certified Arbors Training Program, the Certified Tree Worker Program, the Smartscape Program, even the, the um, Sustainable Landscape Management Program through ALCA. And, and the Desert Botanical Garden even has a, a, a little bit longer program. But all of those, um, and some of you who are listening, hold those credentials. What I love about your associate's degree program is at the end of the day, you're going to get an associate's you know, a d- diploma or certificate saying you know, you've been through a two-year program. It's broader. It's science-based. You have a little bit further. If you really want to take your education to the next level, there's not another program like yours in, in, in the state as far as I know. I think it's kind of the premier landscape horticulture program. And I just think it's, it's a um, – a shame that it doesn't get a little bit more publicity. In fact, that's why I'm having you here today is because I think it's it's excellent and I think it's something that a lot of people would like to, if you've been to, done some of those other kind of industry short-term programs and you're looking to kind of raise your game a little bit um, and uh, get a, um, an associate's degree under your belt. And it, and it would, again, it would probably uh, be a, a great launch pad into a four-year uh, degree in say urban horticulture or forestry or something else in a in one of the four-year colleges, correct? I agree, uh, and uh, I I do appreciate <laughs> the exposure to the program since we do not have an op- uh, a, uh, an advertising budget. Uh, but our students are all across the board, so we get students coming straight from high school, students changing jobs or reevaluating their lives to see what they really want to do when they grow up, if they ever like me, <laughs> uh, and we also get people from industry who just want some further training or maybe they want a credential so that they can get uh, an advancement in their job. We also offer two certificate programs that are just uh, the core courses. So there's four courses in the first section, the four courses in the second. This is called Landscape Aid and Landscape Specialist. And those are mainly for people who just want to focus on one semester, knock it out, and then get back to work. Gotcha. And classes offered at night and maybe some day classes as well or uh, classes are offered all throughout the day and evening. So, But the entire program, if you want to do the, the full associate degree program, there are some classes that are only offered in the daytime uh, because you, you can't teach plant identification with a flashlight. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
or well, we had, things things have its limitations. And, so. and I and I and I would um, be disappointed having to go through your your, your greenhouse at night too. That was. <laughs> That was amazing. No, we were given a tour this last Tuesday through the greenhouse and through the garden, and it's a beautiful setup over there. And it's just really a um, uh, it'd be a lot of fun to go through the the, the class, the, the course, uh, just to be able to uh, be you know get your hands dirty. You know, a lot of coursework. It's just all in class and maybe uh, you know looking through a microscope, which it has some of that as well. But it, it's nice to know that part of it involves you getting outside and working in the dirt. And uh, if that's, you know, uh, kind of floats your boat, uh, this would be a, a program you really want to look into. It's awesome. And this fall we're offering for the first time a full semester hydroponic vegetable production class in our brand new state-of-the-art 5,400 square foot greenhouse. And that course transfers directly to University of Arizona. Wow. And it's being taught by one of their ex-professors. Yeah. Former yeah. professors. <laughs> Some of those hydroponics, um, that was a pretty amazing. You know, I... Um, I was pretty impressed by all the computers, and it's pretty high-tech. The other part of the program that we failed to mention is sustainable agriculture. So we focus on small-scale organic uh, food production. And that's for the market, the market gardeners who maybe have a small farm, a large yard, and you can learn how to grow food and raise your family and uh, run a successful business on a, small, on a small scale. And do you cover some of the business aspects of that as well, the business side of that? We have... Uh, establishing and running an agribusiness. We have business management, and then we also have marketing and wow. uh, computer operations where you'll learn to do all the the paperwork and putting out your flyers and also QuickBooks so you can learn how to r- run your office. There you go. So the students get a really well-rounded uh, foundation when they get That's out. That's cool. Well, it's interesting that the campus comes up because today we're broadcasting live from U of A Mall for the Festival of Books in Tucson. Uh, and uh, U of A also is a uh, as a arboretum. Uh, I, in fact, all of the major universities, ASU, U of A, NAU, each campus has its own designated arboretum. Now Mesa Community College, I don't know if there's other campuses around uh, Arizona that do, but I was looking, and U of A does, according to their plant search site on their campus arboretum, they don't have a tababuya. A tababuya. <laughs> so you got to go to the Mesa Community College uh, to see the tree of the month. But let's get to our plants, uh, our, our main to-do for plant health care. Well, this month in March, we're focusing on several things, you know, buying high-quality trees. This is a time of year a lot of people like to try to put trees in the ground. It's still not too late to get those uh, some of those bare root trees in the ground, you'll see see some of those. Uh, even roses still available for for you to to buy bare root and get those into the ground. But a lot of evergreens too are, are available and uh, perfect time to get those uh, trees uh, uh, planted. Um, speaking of which, what um, are some of the things we need to look at, guys, with regard to putting the right tree in the right place? Any thoughts on those? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you want to look at the mature size of the tree before you plant it, before you even buy it, and know that the space where you want to put it is going to accommodate that. So that mitigates a lot of your pruning activity. You don't have to be cutting it off of a fence or a wall or your house. Or like Pe- like Peter or- said, he planted <laughs> his tree with 15 feet on both sides, so you don't have to unnecessarily be yeah. 
trimming yeah. that tree yeah. back. And then the second thing you want to do when at the location where you're going to plant it is look up and see if there's any power lines that if it's tall enough to will might grow into the power lines or and then have it blue staked to know that you're not going to run into the same thing underground. So those are uh, just, you know, and that's kind of the the tip of the iceberg for any plant, but as we've talked about already with the tababuyan, whether it's mesic or xeric, you want to take into account what kind of irrigation you're going to have and such. Can you, uh, what is blue stake for the uh, listeners? A blue stake is a, uh, a pro- program that locates your underground uh, utilities, utilities. Uh, so, water, electric, gas. Does it cost anything? It is free as far as I know, but I don't know if it's like in your backyard. I don't think they come onto private property, but they will locate it so you have an idea of where it runs, where it starts into your yard. And if you find out where it goes into your house or connects to your house, then you can kind of guess it's going to be the straightest line. Mm-hmm. So, good, good, yeah. And it is it is required by law to, to, to call blue stake if you're going to do any kind of excavation of the soil for any reason, not just planting trees, but that's also. right. So you want to be sure you get that those the utilities marked before you dig. And they are they've changed their name to Arizona eight one one now. You yep. can still type in blue stake and it'll take you there. Uh, but it's Arizona eight one one dot com, and then you right. can schedule your service there. They'll give you a color. Uh, coordination. I don't remember what it is, but each utility has a different color. So you know if it's the power, the phone, the water, right. gas. If it's right. on your, if they generally mark the utilities on the ground uh, with the, those colored paints, and after several months, they, the 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 rain will usually wash them away. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> so have it marked before you start digging. Is a that, the, that's right. And we, we've got stories about people that didn't, but we won't sidetrack today. They're just <laughs> none of them have a good ending. Um, so once we've got our utilities marked out, kind of tells us where we can and can't dig. Right. Then if you've done the measuring, uh, you know the that the plant is going to do well in in this environment. You've checked all that kind of stuff out. Then it's up to just digging the hole and and getting it in the ground. But um, <clears throat> one of the things that is very common is that people dig the hole too deep, and you never want to dig the hole deeper than the root ball uh, because the especially if you add soil amendments which aren't really recommended that stuff uh, especially composted material will decompose and then the plant will sink and then soil erodes into around the trunk and that can cause problems for the tree and shorten its lifespan ultimately not not to mention that the trees lower in the soil where there's less oxygen and the, those roots really struggle to try to um, right, and then if, the depending again on how you water it, if you're flood irrigating or watering with a garden hose, that water just sits around the trunk, and that's not good for it either. So plant it higher. Better yes. to air high. Better yep. to air. Uh, one of the guy's books that I like to read, uh, uh, he's, he calls it planting high and proud. One more time, he calls it what? 
planting high and proud. High so and proud. Yeah, so Got it. Planted about an inch above the grade, and then when all that erosion and if you if you compost around it or use a kill ring or something, then that or even bring uh, your turf up to it, then it's right at the right level. You want to measure from the the dirt the soil in the planting container right. to the bottom. Don't measure the from the top of the container to the bottom because yeah. that's going to put the tree too low in the soil. Yeah, yeah. And then one last tip is when we push that shovel or whatever it is that we're digging with into the soil, we're glazing the sides of the soil. So scratch that up and rake that up a little bit, and the roots will have a little bit easier time getting into yeah, the soil. Into that native soil. Do you ever pre-soak the hole? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yep. Don't want to get it so wet that it's just a sloppy mess when you're planting. You put it right down. in. But if you can water a day ahead of time and let it soak in, that's a good way to check your percolation rate, too. But that's a really great idea. We're talking trees, and we've got a host of experts, and we've got a couple of uh, text questions that we'll rifle through when we get back. We've got John Eisenhower of Save a Tree, Peter Condon, Director of Landscape Horticulture at Mesa Community College, Steve Pre of Horticulture and Arborist, and uh, just all-around tree know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> final segment here with our tree expert today and i'm going to uh, go through a few questions and you guys just raise your hand when you want to answer them these came in from text uh is it too late to fertilize citrus generally that's a valentine's day labor day memorial day no those are just good target times just to help you be able to calendar them and remember to do it Uh, but no march is not is not uh, too late at all Um, there's really no bad time to fertilize your trees. We always say if you're going to fertilize them once a year, probably your fall fertilization is your most effective because the tree is going to use those stored nutrients for the spring push and has time to to take up all those nutrients and then store them for the winter and be ready to hit the road running. Uh, But if you're uh, doing your citrus, no. Although we say Valentine's Day is kind of your target day, um, March is, is perfectly fine to get that fertilizer down. I don't know if you want to plug a specific product, but citrus food is a pretty good product uh, because it has manganese and zinc in it, and those are mm-hmm. both needed for pecans as well. So whether you have pecans or citrus, that's a good good product. Mm-hmm. Or find a product that has manganese and, manganese and zinc. And zinc. I just yeah. fertilized mine this morning. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. There you go. On the olive spraying, is it too late to hit the olives? Every question today that we haven't already answered just in our conversation. Is it too late? Is it too late? I think it's kind of a sign that our weather's so nice. Everyone's just now playing catch-up before they realize it's going to get hot. You know, the, <laughs> i got to get all this done before it gets hot. <laughs> yeah, the effectiveness of olive spraying deter- is determined to a large extent on, on the, the maturity of the, of the uh, olives, and the, uh, the bloom becomes a small olive, and, and it, I think it's still early enough. Uh, but you need to check with an arborist. You might want to call an arborist and come out and check the trees and just make sure that it's going to be worth your expense to do the spring. But I think it should be um, – there are certain chemicals all of stop and maintain are the two chemicals we use, and we can use them interchangeably some at certain times of the year. But maintain, I think, is it's not too late to get that on there, but you need to get, um, act pretty soon. Yeah, for what I recall from reading those label directions is that the the trees should be about 25% in bloom. Uh, about 25% of the tree should be in bloom when it's applied. Uh, so I don't think it's too late at all because I haven't seen any blooms come out on uh, 
on olives yet. Okay. And and now you know why we call him a know-it-all. He reads the label. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you need to do. That's why some of these are controlled products that can only be applied by a licensed applicator. So be sure that you know some of them are available over the counter, but they're less effective. Uh, the timing has to be precise with some of those, like olive stuff. Um, yeah, just be sure you read the label so you're applying them properly. And then for insects, you wanted to address, was it the snout weevil? Yeah, the snout weevils on your agaves are, uh, there's a, the timing on the treatment for those is, is very important. You, they, it, you have to do one treatment in March and then again uh, a treatment in, in, in May. So this is the month to be uh, getting those. Uh, um, and these are proactive treatments. These are to be treating the soil in and around your agaves to, pre- to pre- prevent uh, the weevil activity. If you've had any in, y- in your yards, you've lost some of your agaves, probably good to treat all the others and get on a regular schedule of, of, mar- of a March and a May uh, treatment to, get, uh, to prevent those other agaves from getting hit. Uh, also, just be, uh, be alerted this time of year to be kind of um, watching for borer activity. Uh, again, we have got our Palo Verde borers uh, around your Palo Verde trees that are, are the, 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 uh, the grub. Uh, those Palo Verde grubs are, are eating the roots of your, of your trees. You'll see those little holes around your trees about the size of a quarter, maybe a little smaller, little exit holes. Um, that's an indication that, that you have borer activity around those Palo Verde trees. There are some treatments um, that are available for those as well. And if somebody needed to schedule an arborist, they could go online to saveatree.com and schedule to have somebody follow up with them. Yep. Yep. We certainly get all those, um, all of spraying, the the, uh, um, snot weevil treatments, all those can be discussed with your arborist. Absolutely. Or become an arborist or a horticulturist or a plant know-it-all. Uh, Peter, how do they come see you? <laughs> you can go to our website, mesacc.edu, and scroll down on the first page, and all of our programs are listed there. There's Landscape Horticulture, Sustainable Agriculture. You click on that link. It uh, gives you my information, the whole list of the courses, the recommended sequence of courses. But I recommend that students contact me, and I can explain what uh, what is going on, what they should expect, what what they'll need to do. And you also told us something interesting during the last break. Are you allowed to share that? Yes. Uh, we, we, MCC is now an accredited Arboretum certified through ArbNet, through the Morton Arboretum. And we just received uh, a special status of Tree Campus USA. So we applied for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Much of that work was done by Sean Whitcomb, a, a faculty member in the Life Sciences Department, who's my co-director of the Arboretum. So that's really exciting news. We're going to roll that out. Uh, on Arbor Day. On Arbor Day. Cool. The and, 29th. And that makes you the fifth campus in Arizona. I went on to the website and looked. U, ASU, U of A, NAU, and Prescott College are all tree campuses. And now? MCC. MCC. The only community college. Outstanding. Sorry, everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe they need to call Steve and have you set up a program at their community college. (laughs) So you need something to do, right? (laughs) uh, Yeah. 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 I'd have to drag Peter and Sean along with me and maybe some students that we use to help collect all the information. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us, Steve Preve. 
Peter Condon, John Eisenhower, and if you're in Tucson or you're headed to Tucson for the uh, Festival of Books, we are on the U of A campus on the mall. And I don't know if this is a dirty joke, but they put us in booth 420. So come see Rosie <laughs> in the house on college campus and 420. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs>